0: Good morning, good morning. We're glad you're uh, joining us live stream today. Um, this is different, right? This is real different. Uh, we understand that. We get that. Um, we just saw our bumper video for our 90 days of awesome promo. And uh, Pastor Greg and I were talking earlier, it kind of feels like our 90 days of not so awesome right now um, because there's a lot of changes going on and, and we acknowledge that we see that. Um, but in light of that, we're actually okay with that because we know that God is in control of this. We are all faithful um, that he has an answer to all of this. And uh, so we're going to sit and be patient and listen to his wisdom, and we're going to continue being the church and continue reaching out. So we're really, really glad that you chose to be here this morning with your families joining from home. Uh, We want to remain hopeful and faithful, as we said, because we know God is in control. Um, So with that, even though some of our 90 days of awesome plans have either already been interrupted or might be in the future, um, maybe one of the biggest Um, opportunities we have during our 90 days of awesome is this next event and that is our let's pray and fast event you should have received an email um, about how to sign up for that originally some of our prayer was going to be here at the church Um, that's no longer the case right now given the stipulations we're under Um, but we're following through with this and we're going to ask you to honor your commitment and continue to pray and then fast from your home Um, Pretty incredible, the first sign up that went out was already almost filled up, and um, I think we're starting another one, so pay attention to your emails and look for that. Um, But wow, what an opportunity that, when we can't get together, one of the biggest things we can do to grab God's attention and to let him know that his church is here and ready for him is this event, so perfectly timed that is happening right now so make sure you're a part of that Um, we are still going to roll a normal service Um, we're going to have communion together so uh, we want to let you know that now in case you want to run to your kitchen or pantry and grab whatever you can for communion maybe that's some bread and some grape juice or a cracker and some water because we still want to honor that and we still want to do that with you virtually so just to give you a heads up and some time to go grab something for that as we get closer to it Um, Also, just an encouragement, we need you to stay connected. We're going to try our very best to reach out to you, but we encourage you to make sure you're reaching out to us if you have any needs and to your neighbors um, as appropriately as we can um, and stay connected as this church. We also are asking that you stay invested both in prayer and faithfulness, Um, even when it comes to giving. Pastor Greg's email earlier said it perfectly. Everything still happens. God's ministry still happens, and we're still ready to do that work. So we still need you to remain faithful in that. Um, You can give online at southwoods.org, the website you're on now. There's a give button. You can one-time give each week if you want. You can set up a recurring. You can also just drop it in the good old-fashioned snail mail and mail it to our building since we don't know what our presence here will be this week. So stay tuned for those details as well. We're glad you're with us this morning. We encourage you to worship. You get to sing really loud at your house. Now, because nobody can hear you, it's like shower singing. So we encourage you to do that, and we're going to do the same. All right. Um, I want to pray and uh, share the scripture before we get started. Romans fifteen thirteen says, "I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely." It's my favorite part. Fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's sing together. high five saying hi welcome to our neighbors and uh, you can give a high five to your quarantined family if you will again we're so glad you're here um at the beginning of psalm 40 grab your bible and take a peek at that sometime today um if you are not familiar with it but i love this commentary about it it says david's heart in psalm 40 it was not full of worshipful feelings he was not having any part of it Um, It was quite the contrary, actually. Um, He felt like he was in a pit, a pit of destruction and despair. And I'm guessing that a lot of us maybe are feeling that a little bit right now, and maybe it's hard to worship because of our human circumstances that are happening, right? Uh, But then God lifted him out of that pit of destruction, and he set his feet upon a rock and put a song of praise in his mouth. And that's Psalm 40, 2 through 3. And I was reading this commentary about it and they asked this question said, so what happened to David between that feeling of being stuck and then singing praise to God? What happened? And it says, David tells us in Psalm 41, I waited patiently for the Lord. And that's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to have faith and we're going to wait patiently on on the Lord and how he answers this. And in that, we are going to worship even though it's hard. We are going to say, yes, I will. I'm in it for you, God. And we're here and we're not going anywhere and we're gonna wait on that patience. This next song speaks to that perfectly. All right, continue to worship with us at home. i yeah. worship. And I like that we have these two songs back together. So we just said, yes, I will. Yes, I will stay faithful. Yes, I will trust you, God. And yes, I will remain patient. And then to counter that song um, with this next song, which is So Will I, it just pulls our heart into that element of worship that is so crucial all the time, but so needed right now. So we're basically saying, God, you have all the power, and I'm going to worship you in the midst of that. I hope and pray that you keep that mindful as we sing, and as you go about your week and the next few weeks, all right?
1: Evolving in pursuit
2: sometime in your life. I know I have. When I was a little kid, I got lost, I don't know, like four years old or something, got lost in the big, huge Kansas City Mall, and neither of my parents were around me. And There's just this feeling that you get when you're lost, isn't it? It's it's, it's kind of this panic sets in because you don't know where to go, you don't know who to turn to, you don't know who to talk to or, or anything like that. We can be lost physically, but we can also be lost mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I'm going to guess that there's a few of you, and, and I can kind of feel this way too, where I just feel a little lost right now. It's like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen or, or what to do or, or who to turn to in a sense. And it can get a little little panicky, I think, for us. When I was younger, somebody gave me this. This is a, a compass. And they also taught me how to use it. And I think it's, it's very interesting. You know, I knew that you kind of turn it and it would find it would north and you could gauge your directions off of it. But the thing I didn't know is, is on these kind of Boy Scout compasses, once you figure out the direction you're gonna go, that you need to go, what you do is you line up here, with a little little metal line that's right there, just this kind of little strip that's right there. And you look off in the distance, and you find something, your focal point, and you start walking to that. Because if you lose that focal point, it's very easy to lose your way. And I think right now there's so many things that we, we're looking at, just all these, all these different thoughts and what-ifs, but this time of communion is special because it's a reminder that there is still a God who is in charge. Jesus has given, his own, he has given his own life for us that we don't have to be lost. It's a reminder that if we keep our eyes on him instead of other things, we'll be fine. We really, really will be fine. There's a scripture I wanted to, to read And it comes in Hebrews chapter 12. And here's what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Remember this right now as you take your communion at home that Jesus has run his race. He, he He lived a perfect life and we can continue to look to him he is not dead he is alive he is a living god who loves you and has given his life for you let's pray dear jesus thank you so much for the gift of your son and i pray right now as we as we participate in this communion we remind ourselves that you have given your life for us you have given your your body you have given your blood representative of your your body and your spirit, that you are having this covenant with us. Lord, I I pray that we remove all the other distractions, all the fear, all the panic, all the nerves, all the questions, and we just stop and listen to you right now. And thank you for what you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Thank you, Natalie. It's beautiful as always. Thank you, worship team. Uh, Greetings to all of you live streaming out there. I'm literally preaching to the choir today. Uh, Singers singers and technical people and, and my sweetie showed up. So thank you for joining us in worship on this live stream. What a world. My name is Bob Priest. I'm filling in for Greg Montague, our pastor this morning. I was going to tell you that's because both Greg and Lori are helping uh, Lori's parents, Norm and Norma. But my surprise this morning, Greg was able to be here with us. So at the end of our time together, if you would hang with us, he would like to share a few thoughts with you. Lori, however, is with Norm and Norma. I know a lot of you guys know them from their visits here Uh, have been praying for them as they're getting on in years and have had some health challenges and I would just encourage you to continue that you know I've gotten acquainted with them a few times in their visits here and I just I thought about these two words that come to mind I put them in combination with Norman number they're joyful encouragers you just feel good after you've spoken with them like their like their daughter Lori and their son-in-law Greg they have devoted their lives to serving the church. They love the church and they've served people and the Lord for many years. So I'm glad Lori at this point and both those young people can be encouraging their their parents, serving and honoring them in this this season of their life. But be praying for their family. Uh, A lot's happened since the last time I spoke at church here in the fall. Apparently the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes is now the most most important person in the world. So uh, my patriots were kind enough to step out of the way and clear the path for you guys. Um, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been wanting just to say belated congratulations to you. I've had a lot of fun up here with you over the years with my team, and I can see that that your team is now gonna step right into those shoes and I think you'll have a lot of reason to celebrate going forward. On a personal note, I just wanted to say, you know, I love this church. Sandra Sandra and I have been part of this church for many years now. I really love you and I trust you, but I've been a bit suspicious that every time the Patriots and Chiefs games were gonna be on on a Sunday, my name was on the security team list to be outside. I don't know how that works, but it gets really cold out there sometimes, and I'm hoping now that you'll be gracious winners, Super Bowl champs, and if they play in the future, that maybe I can come inside and join the rest of you this time. So, I bring up those recent happy memories for us, for some of us more than others, because remembering the good times... And anticipating the good times that are still to come when we get on the other side of this interruption that we're enduring, it's good medicine for the soul. At least, least it is for me. This is a great time, brothers and sisters, to be practicing the Bible's counsel about taking control of our minds and our thoughts, that we cast our worries and fear on the Lord because He cares for us, that we take captive our every thought for him, that we set our minds on things above, it tells us in Colossians 3, not just on earthly things, to think about what is noble and right and pure, to think about what is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, All these directions for the renewal of our minds come right out of the New Testament. You guys probably had some uh, references come to mind as I said some of those things. Some of our encouragement doesn't come right out of the New Testament, though. I took a little walk yesterday Go breathe some fresh air and enjoy the sunshine. And we have sidewalk chalk profits in our neighborhood down the street a bit. As a family with some younger kids, and I didn't see them do it, but I got the benefit of it. On the sidewalk chalk in individual squares, I read these things. Enjoy the outdoors. Read a book. We got this. I wasn't sure how to take that one, but I hope it means we're going to get through it, okay? Check on your neighbors. I like that one laugh often and the last one they obviously have little ones I don't know what you're gonna do with this one but it said giggle and wiggle so pretty cute but those directions for the renewal of our minds from the Lord come right to our hearts if we will practice that kind of discipline regularly daily moment by moment if need be that mindset protects our hearts that mindset directs our hearts away from anxiety, away from loneliness, and to a place of gratitude and hope because God is present. He's still given us much to be thankful for, and He has promised to see us through even the toughest of times, and we will take Him at His word today. Would you mind bowing with me, and uh, we'll join in a word of prayer and then continue on? Father, we need your presence now. We know you're always present with us. You've promised that, but I just pray for each one that's feeling uh, isolated, maybe lonely, maybe fearful, maybe panicky, that you would make your presence known in their life in a very special way. God, we pray that you'll give us your peace, a peace that passes understanding. Give us strength, devotion, to your ways of love and humility and sacrifice and wisdom. And God, open our eyes to ways that we can be your hands and feet to love those around us, whether that just means uh, simply to stay away from some at this time or if there's some creative way. Give us creativity of thought as we try to figure out how to love and serve the people around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we, we learn in the Bible's book of Hebrews and many other places that our God is a trustworthy and true person. He's a person, he's not an energy force. He's not some divine uh, concept that people have made up. God is a person. He's not a man, he's not a woman, but he's an infinite personality. And that idea is not just coming from some fairy tale, it's a reasoned belief based on what he's done in the past, that we have historical record of, what we know of God's actions in the past, give us hope for the future, the kind of hope that Hebrews tells us can serve as an anchor for our souls. Do you believe that? Do you believe in that kind of good and personal God? if you haven't experienced the presence of God yourself. What I just said, all these words I've already spoken can sound like just a bunch of happy talk, can't it? Some empty self-deception. Poor old Bob, he's just counting on his imaginary friend in the sky to escape reality and try to still stay positive somehow. And I've often chuckled at the old cynical proverb, I think it was uh, an outgrowth from a Rudyard Kipling poem. Don't think I read that all, this, all the time, but this is what I read. It says, if, if you can keep your wits about you when everyone else is losing theirs, you probably don't really know what's going on. Is that what faith is? Is it just willful ignorance? Where can we turn when we don't really know what's going on? Or when we think What we think we know is going on threatens to overwhelm. Who do you go to? What are your sources of wisdom for life? Notice I said wisdom, not information. Wisdom, practical perspective about how to make life decisions no matter what comes. You know, most of us probably would immediately think of the cacophony of voices that are in our ears every day. The news folks, the CNNs and Fox News people, lately the medical community or the business community. Maybe you've connected to some entertainer or a blogger or a podcaster that you're listening to. Many of us have certain religious leaders that we listen to. Maybe it's teachers, professors, even our peers, Maybe even mom and dad. Or maybe you're more of a lone wolf, you like to go, go it alone. I'm just gonna follow my heart. I'm just gonna follow my personal preferences. You know, I was just a youngster, that's a long time ago, seven, eight, or nine years old, when some dear friends first introduced me to the Bible specifically to the central figure of the Christian faith, Jesus Christ. And since those earliest days, there have been many, many times, I've found the stories and teachings about Jesus to be more than words on the page, to come alive and shine light and insight and truth that made a difference for me. Insight and truth that, folks, I just don't hear anywhere else. No one speaks like him. They even said that when he was walking around. Old or young, a good place to pursue a personal experience of God is in the Bible. It's in his word. The Bible calls his word living and active. It's alive, and it will transcend all the other voices in our ears. So that's what I'd like to do with us this morning with our time that remains. I'd like to, to read a little bit of the Gospel of John. If you have a Bible near you, go ahead and turn there to John chapter 3. Just a little historical background. If you're not aware, we have four reliable accounts about the life and times of Jesus. We call them Gospels. Kind of a funny word. It comes from the Old English English where they combined the word God, which meant good, and spell, which meant news. Gospel just means good news. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels. Another odd word to us, but it's just because they follow a similar synopsis, a a similar outline. And you'll see their material follows a very similar flow. Some of their details are very similar. Some are downright identical, but not John. The fourth gospel... The Gospel of John is not synoptic. In fact, John is organized in a very different fashion. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote selectively and purposely and tells the reader why he chose to include what he included as well as the limitations he had on, on a subject of this magnitude I'll just read these to you. It's not in John 3, but later in his Gospel of John, John 21-25, he explains this. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. And In a little different spot toward the end of his book, he writes these words. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John's aim is to convince anyone who reads his gospel of a couple things that Jesus is divine, the son of the creator and the source of true life for you and me. John was Jesus' closest friend during the three years on earth. The way the relationship worked as a rabbi and disciple, they literally basically lived together, Jesus did with, his other, with John and his other friends. So he had a really good close-up look of this fellow. John was convinced that he had encountered the long-awaited, the long-ago prophesied, Messiah. That's why he chose that word. And that Jesus makes God's kind of life available to you and me. He wants everyone who reads his words to believe that. How did John attempt to accomplish that? Well, without without getting too deep into the weeds, he basically separates his material about Jesus into two halves. He wrote 21 chapters, and the second half, roughly chapter 12 to 21, is is, uh, all about the final days and hours of Jesus. His time with his disciples to say his most important last words, the ideas he wanted to convey to them, the responses of the people around him, both his friends and his enemies, to his crucifixion and to the empty tomb. If you haven't done this before or in a while, and it sounds like we may have a lot of free time on our hands coming up, let me recommend that you read back through that last half of John, chapters 12 through 21, and see what John chose to share there about that very brief time that is so important to all of us, the end of Jesus' life and his resurrection. It's a fantastic reading. Well, that's the back half of John. We're going to be reading in the front half. The first half is a fascinating collection of theological teachings, and my favorite part is there, it contains many very personal encounters his friend Jesus had with a number of very diverse individuals. Throughout that first half of John, we see Jesus in deep and meaningful interactions with friends and family, in social settings, one time even at a wedding. He connects with a royal official. Isn't that interesting? A royal official that needed his help. John transparently shares a time where a number of Jesus followers, people who said, I am your disciple, Jesus, just quit. They just up and walked away because he was requiring more of them than they were willing to give. And he was not exactly what they were expecting from a Messiah. A couple of my favorite stories are where Jesus is caring and uh, tender with a couple men who had spent a good part of their life suffering. He cares for and miraculously heals a gentleman who had been paralyzed for 38 years. There's quite a bit of detail in that story. In a similar one, an adult man who is blind, he's been blind since birth, and Jesus gives him sight. He feeds a hungry crowd that's journeyed far from home to hear him. And our God, who's a God of provision in times of need, fed thousands with five loaves of bread and two fish. This is really touching to me, too. A lonely and misused woman experiences Jesus' respect and tenderness as she draws water at a local well. And we also read of a woman accused unfairly and facing execution of all things in her community. And Jesus comes to the rescue, he treats her with dignity, and he sets her on a new path for her life. The first half of John climaxes with Jesus showing the power he has of life, the power he has over death, as he raises his good friend Lazarus from the dead. After four days in the grave, Jesus called Lazarus out as an example of his life-giving power. There is just phenomenal snapshot after snapshot in this gospel showing us who Jesus really is. And as he interacts with these people in these stories, we come to understand how he wants to interact with each one of us. Wherever we are on the human spectrum, and whatever our diversities are, Jesus finds a way to love and respect and treat us with, dig- with dignity. Another fascinating part of these stories, and it's going to play into what we're going to read here in a minute, but woven all through those chapters A little bit in the background, almost in the shadows a little bit, are the religious leaders, political people, kind of the Jewish community leaders of the time. They're known as Pharisees, sometimes the chief priests. There was a group known as the Jews and the scribes. You'll see them as you read that stuff. But these folks are there with a different agenda they're monitoring Jesus. They're challenging Jesus. Sometimes they're misrepresenting him to the people or outright lying about him. They used, some of them were ultimately successful in using the political process of the day to end Jesus' life on a Roman executioner's cross at the age of 33. And our passage today shares about a special meeting that Jesus took with one of these kinda religious leaders, a Pharisee, a meeting that had an interesting effect on the man. It created a special bond between the two of them. So we have the privilege of listening in a little bit on that dialogue that took place one quiet evening two millennia ago, let me read that to you. It's, it's John chapter three and it starts right at verse one. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs and evidence that God is with you, are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb? And be born again. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? You ever wish you could sit down one on one? with a tremendously successful individual, maybe someone that's very successful in your field of study or work, or maybe just someone that's risen to the highest levels of some area of society. Maybe you wish you could have time with the founder of Berkshire Hathaway to get great investment strategies and and stock tips. Hopefully we'll need those again at some point. Maybe you want to get creative writing ideas from the author of the Harry Potter series. Or take inventing advice from the people who figured out Velcro and post-it notes. What would we do without post-it notes? I noticed recently, you may have seen this too, some advertisements for a website that offers something similar to this. It makes available content from various people they've deemed masters in their field. There's a whole bunch of names, but some that caught my eye in sports. Uh, Stephen Curry, the, the basketball player. Serena Williams, the superstar of all superstars in the tennis world. In the culinary arts, Wolfgang Puck and Gordon Ramsey. And I had a chuckle as I thought, Gordon's probably a master in that. But if they had a prolific profanity character, he would be the master in that category too. No offense, Gordon. No offense. <laughs> Film and TV, the one that caught my eye was Ron Howard. He's obviously had quite a career, but I still think of Opie on the, on the old Andy Griffith show. And then one that, that also caught my attention in music and entertainment was Penn and Teller. And if you've seen Penn and Teller, Teller never says anything. And apparently in this content, he does. He actually speaks and gives some. So not a free commercial or anything, but that, this meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus feels a little like that. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's been seeking spiritual truth and studying for years. That's what those guys were known for. He's a deeply religious person. And he follows his ritualistic code flawlessly. But somehow deep in his heart, he's still searching. That's not enough. His religion is not enough. He's probably an older man, we gather from the reading, and yet he's still seeking for something more. He and his countrymen, we mentioned, were awaiting a prophesied Messiah, a king, a leader promised to the Jewish people by God himself, a leader cut from the same cloth as their grand hero, Moses. In fact, he was predicted by Moses, who would lead Israel to the promised land 1,500 years before this meeting with Jesus and Nicodemus, they'd been waiting a really long time. And they expected their Messiah King to restore power and glory to the Jewish nation, to throw off their conquerors. Their national dream was for the beginning of the kingdom of God led by this Messiah. Messiah. So when this fellow Jesus appears on the scene and he's teaching with authority like they've never heard and he's doing remarkable miracles like no one's seen for 1,500 years when Moses was doing them, he's actually uh, taking the commands that we received from Moses. He's taking them to another level. Well, needless to say, Nicodemus thinks he's found his man. He's beyond intrigued with who Jesus is, he's ready to take in whatever Jesus might be willing to share in this one-on-one visit. You know, you may have noticed in there, and this is just a side note, but some some people make much of the fact that the appointment was at night. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the evening. And some folks say, look, he was kind of afraid to be seen with Jesus, but I've read a little more about him in some other places in the scripture. I don't get the idea that Nicodemus was one who worried about what people thought of him at this stage of his life. Others think the evening time was kind of customary. That's when the people like rabbis and Pharisees and people who studied spiritual things would get together once the day had calmed down and they would have their big discussions. I I lean more toward that so I think it's very likely that Nicodemus has, has, has chosen an appropriate, respectful time to approach Jesus as a rabbi And he doesn't approach him confrontationally. He approaches him humbly. He says, Jesus, God sent you to teach us. I can tell. Just look at your life, I can tell. It's obvious. Please, teach me. How does Jesus respond? Well, with the most important words that any of us can ever consider in verse 3 of that passage. I read it says this. Jesus replied. I tell you the truth unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. Born a second time. We were born once into this life. Each one of us was, and none of us had any choice in the matter, did we? We didn't get to pick our parents or our place of birth or our ethnicity, our gender. We didn't get to pick any of that stuff. It was all done for us. We were born once into this life, and one day we will die. That is the temporal nature of our existence. Death is our greatest weakness, our inescapable destiny, the inescapable destiny of every man, woman, and child. And what Jesus is doing here, he's going right to the heart of what matters to Nicodemus. This kingdom of God that you are longing for, Nicodemus, it's way more than just a new political arrangement for this land in the Middle East. It goes far beyond our temporal existence nicodemus in fact it requires a second birth to enter the kingdom of god but this time for this kind of birth we each of us does have a choice in the matter jesus is broadening nicodemus view of life and simultaneously extending an invitation to him the way to a kingdom and a life That will endure for eternity. Nicodemus got a bit stuck with that idea. You could see it. The wheels were turning and it wasn't getting through. He's basically responding to Jesus like this. Jesus, that's absurd. (laughs) An old man can't go back into his mother's womb. There's no going back. I've tried my best to, to be good all these years. Going back and starting over again? That's not gonna help me. I'm not gonna do this any better. Born again. Born again. What, what do you mean? How are these things possible? So Jesus expands. He explains more deeply. The second birth is a spiritual birth, a new life sparked by the Holy Spirit of God. He chooses a metaphor of the wind. It's as simple to understand and is impossible to explain as the coming and going of the wind. It's a work of God in my life that can overcome my greatest weakness, my inescapable destiny, can be overridden by the indestructible life that Jesus has within himself. How can this be? The simplicity is a little hard to take in. The simplicity of Jesus' invitation, you must be born again. It's really difficult for those of us who are inclined to think of Jesus as just another religious entrepreneur he was just there to start a new religion thing. And a lot of us think of religion and religious conversion, it's just, it's just someone getting their act together, right? They're just getting a little structure from some rules and some people that want to hold them accountable. But religion is just kind of a uh, getting your act together, making a fresh start. I decrease the things that I'm doing bad I increase the things that I'm doing good. And somewhere down the road, hopefully the the good outweighs the bad, and I will become known as a good person. Isn't that pretty much what this religion stuff is all about? And that may be part of the reason this good man, Nicodemus, got a little stuck with Jesus' teaching. That was the only paradigm he had for understanding how he could be in relationship to God. But Jesus sees things differently. He comes at things from a different angle. God sees our hearts. We're told in Scripture that God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what it is that's missing. He knows what it is that will bring us peace and contentment but it's gonna require a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's gonna take a second life, a second birth. You know, sometimes I walk up here to church on Sunday mornings, Uh, it's about a mile and a half, good to get some steps, you know, Get, get a little fresh air, and one Sunday recently, I noticed this little object out on the ground. I know you can't see it, they've got a nice slide for you. Can you tell what that is? It's easier to make out when you see what it used to be. Can we flip to the next one? That's what I'm pretty sure this is. Sonia, can you go back to that old one? I don't know if you guys can even see it, but the image of President Lincoln is barely recognizable on the one I found out on the street. It's a beat-up old penny. Every one of us is a beat-up old penny. The image of God is barely recognizable in us anymore. And smoothing the rough edges, polishing the old coin up, Even if we melt this thing down and reshape it, we can't restore what's been lost. That's the the reality of our lives, according to Jesus. That's before we experience the rebirth and the renewal of God's Holy Spirit that was hard for Nicodemus to receive. I wonder how you received that. I was reading a book, uh, Sandra got me for Christmas, my wife Sandra, and I was reading it a couple weeks ago. The author is a fabulous writer, his name is Abdu Murray, former Muslim that converted to Christ. It took him 10 years to go from Islam to Christianity to to process what he was reading in the scripture and his research, phenomenal writer. But in his book, he had a great line Abdu Murray writes, essentially, Jesus says to us, you're evil. Now come follow me. (laughs) It's hardly an inviting recruiting slogan, he wrote. But in in his thoughts following, he basically says, you know, one of the things I loved about Jesus as I was going through that process is that Jesus doesn't tell us what we want to hear. He tells us what we need to hear. We need more just a fresh start folks we need a new birth we are dead to God the Bible tells us until we are born again and the Holy Spirit makes us alive with Jesus Christ another famous follower of Jesus the Apostle Paul uh, captured some of this and even took it one step further, uh, very practically the way he wrote to his friend Titus in the book of Titus in Scripture. It's Titus 3, 3 through 8. Let me read that, those words from Paul. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And then this is the part he kind of adds on. just want to touch on quickly. This is a trustworthy saying, Paul says. You can put your weight on this. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. All who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good And beneficial to everyone this teaching about being born again it's not just some momentary thing it carries an expectation with it that in our second life we will devote ourselves to doing good that's a verb doing good that's part of being born again And that can be the toughest part as we weigh this decision in our lives, because the truth is, with regard to some of my habits, some of my behaviors, my preferences, my appetites in life, sometimes I don't really know that I want to be born again. In fact, we have a lot of people in our culture that are using this, I was born this way argument to justify not realigning their lives with God's ways. Some, some in the church. And God understands this. He understands that how that resistance comes in our hearts. He knows we won't become perfect the moment that we choose to be born again. The moment that we experience new birth. But he does expect us to grow. He does expect us to, to increasingly devote ourselves to doing good. Just as a newborn continues the growth outside the womb that was begun inside the womb, we're to grow in our new life. That never stops. There's not a time when we hit our spiritual prime, and then we can just kind of quit and let it deteriorate away. It's not like our physical. When I hit my, spiritual, my, my physical prime in my th- 30s? No, no. forty. I'm I'm still in my prime, by God, but you just see it, don't you? Our physical prime comes and we start to go like this. In our spiritual life, in our second birth, that doesn't happen. We continue to grow until we breathe our last breath, seeking to have the likeness, the image of Jesus Christ formed in us. Last page. There is uncertainty In making that kind of life decision yes there is you're going to be growing a whole new kind of life and I may not always know which way the winds of the Holy Spirit are gonna blow I may feel at times like I don't know if I'm coming or going And I love that that line in that last hymn we sang it said if the wind goes where you send it so will I At those times when I feel the tension between who I I was and who Jesus wants me to be, I'm going to be tempted to default to my original birth, the patterns of my original life. In those moments, let me encourage you, do the opposite. Don't follow your heart. Don't, Don't follow what feels like your natural inclinations. Go with Jesus. What's the gambling term? Go all in. When you do this, go all in with Jesus. Why? Because he was willing to go all in for you. He went all in. He willingly sacrificed his life to open the way to this eternal kingdom and this invitation for us. So so you and I need to seriously consider, will I be willing to surrender my Temporary ideals of what might make me happy financially, socially, relationally. Will I give that all up and surrender to his kind of new life and be devoted to the good as Jesus defines good? I wish I could stand up here and tell you, hey, just be like me. <laughs> you know, I wish I could tell you I have arrived in my new life. And one of the criticisms of Christianity is Christians. The ones who have tasted the new life but maybe haven't, we haven't seen quite as much change as one might have expected. And I can't help you with that. If some Christians have uh, let you down along the way, all we can do is apologize. But let me say this, there are many, many more that want to have Christ formed in us that want to live like he lives, to speak like he speaks, to love like he loves. And we know that's only going to happen because of a new birth in each one of us. One thing you and I can count on, regardless of the people around us and how they choose to act, we can count on Jesus to never leave us alone His promise, after after he took care of our sin problem on the cross, his promise in his resurrected life is, I'm going to share that life with you. Another, Another verse in John, John 14, Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. And he literally comes and takes up residence with us. We never have to know loneliness again because he is there He will never let us down. Will you take steps in his direction today? Will you consider whether it's time for you to to take this step to be born again? You know, if you feel that way, um, just kind of like Nicodemus does, if you feel like I can come to Jesus and I'm going to get some answers, just share that with him. Tell him, I'm ready to be born again, Jesus. You can do that quietly in your heart right now and pray. There is a way the Bible uh, encourages us to express this desire to be born again, and it's through an act called baptism. It's, It's immersion in water where he literally says, be baptized in my name and you will bury your old life under the water and you will represent a new life as you come out of the water. That's something we're happy to do, and wherever you have water, you can have someone help you do that. If you're not quite ready for that yet, but you, but you want to seek wisdom from Jesus, just ask. He will never turn anyone away who asks. He just has one request, that when you ask him for wisdom, you believe it when he gives it to you. Believe and don't doubt. Many of us have made that choice. We're in the maybe the ongoing part where we need to devote ourselves to doing good, and I want to encourage everyone within the sound of my voice here: devote yourself more than ever to doing God, doing good as God defines good. Will you consider responding to Jesus in some way today? I hope you will. We have uh, we have a little time here. Uh, before Greg is gonna come where we're gonna watch a video if you wouldn't mind I'll just I'll just say a quick prayer to wrap things up and then if you would stay with us through the video pastor Montague would like to share a few thoughts let's pray father we are uh, so thankful to know you are near to know the great power that you have we ask you to use your healing power across our country across this world pray that you'd give us patience and trust in you, we pray for wisdom for the leaders in government and in other settings that they would would turn to you for wisdom, that they would hear your voice and act in the ways you counsel them. God, for those who want to use uh, these kind of trials for personal gain or for evil, we pray that you would restrain that and let the goodness of the people that are following you And the people that have your image upon them, let that just shine forth in this time. Thank you for your word, for the um, power that it has to guard our minds and hearts through these difficult days. Bless us all now. Um, Let your love be known by our people and through our people in the days ahead. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
4: Well, friends, um, friends we, this is a tremendous opportunity we have before us to do exactly what the video said, which is to carry the cross in, you know, wherever we go, to carry it in our hearts, first of all, which I'm thankful, Bob, for what you shared, because I think that, that's a fantastic opportunity for us to just remember that, that we need the fresh, the fresh wind, the fresh fire, the new birth, the life of Jesus within us. We need that, or else we don't have anything to carry to anyone else. But here's the thing, friends, you and I have an opportunity to be light and to be love to everybody in our lives, whether it's family, whether it's neighbors, whether it's, whether it's people that we're connected to through and across the Internet in some ways. Our, our, I just want to encourage you to remember that what you and I need is more than fresh start. We need the power, the spirit of God in us so that we can carry the cross, carry the message of the cross, wherever Jesus takes us. I think we all want to do that. Right now, we're going to have to conquer crippling fear. We're going to have to, some of us are going to have to conquer anger. If we're going to succeed at that, we're going to have to conquer suspicion because I know some of us you know, i have talked to people in the last few days, some of whom are just thinking, you know, what's going on behind the scenes on all of this? And If we allow ourselves to dwell in that kind of place, uh, it will weaken our ability. We'll be carrying those things everywhere we go. But if we'll put our hope and our trust in Jesus, just as Bob's challenged us to do, just as scripture challenges us to do, just as Tara and, and Cody and everything that we've done this morning is challenging us to do, uh, it'll put us in a place where we're carrying the right thing to the world around us. So I just want to uh, encourage you to open your heart to Jesus if you've never done that. If you need to be baptized, I can't think of a better time to, to make arrangements to do that. I consider that to be essential business in the days ahead so if you've never been baptized and you know you got time and i got time so let me know and we'll make arrangements we'll get that figured out because we've got things ready to go here and and we don't have to have a giant group of people to make that happen Uh, so uh, we can uh, comply with everybody on this so Keep that in the back of your mind. Let us know. We'll help you. Hope that you'll keep your uh, attention, your your eyes open for messages that will be streaming. Uh, Some of it, of course, on the weekends like this, but some during the week as well. Um, And, of course, uh, pray, pray, and encourage each other. Um, If you were here, I would ask you to stand with me as I close in prayer. But maybe since you're home You're welcome to stand or maybe you want to kneel. You can do whatever you want to do there, but I just want to invite you to bow your heads with me. We're going to close in prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to fill us because that's what we need so we can carry the message of Jesus. So stand or kneel or whatever, but especially bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent Jesus that we might know your love for us. And we ask, Lord, that you would fill us With the Holy Spirit, the fresh wind of your Holy Spirit, that we might have something to give to the world around us during this time, that we won't be all focused on our fears or our our frustrations or these things that uh, are temporal and passing away, but instead we'll be able to to, um, focus our eyes on Jesus and on helping everyone around us look toward him during this time as well. Thank you, God, that you care about us. Now, would you demonstrate your presence in our midst? Would you empower us and go with us this week and in the weeks ahead? Uh, May we take advantage of the opportunity of the minimal distractions that are around us at the moment and instead focus our mind, our thoughts, our affections on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the Savior of our souls and the one who we will spend all eternity with. So, uh, Lord, we just honor you. We thank you that you never leave us, never forsake us. And now would you uh, go with us as we uh, uh, sign off at this point, Lord, and would you uh, guide our thoughts, and we'll give you credit for every good thing that happens. Uh, This is our prayer, Lord, and we lift it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So until next time, God bless you. We're praying for you. Be praying for each other. And uh, we'll see you again real soon.